welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm delighted to bring back for an encore this conversation with Mike O'Brien about leadership and mental toughness. Mike served as the Vice President of Produce and Floral for Schnuck Markets for many years before transitioning to the supply side, where he is now the Vice President of Sales and Business Development for Monterey Mushrooms. Now, we recorded this a while back, but Mike's insights are just infinitely relevant. And really, they're incredibly useful for anyone in leadership, whether in retail or produce or any other industry as well. Something that I observed to Mike when we spoke is that it's sort of funny when you think about of all the things that get listed under responsibilities in a job description, right, for a director of produce or similar roles, one of the things that won't necessarily be listed explicitly is the communication and the people management. And of course, like any leadership role, that is just a huge, huge part of the job. And as most of us who have ever worked with any people will know, that can be easier said than done. So Mike's premise here is that of all the leaders that you see, that I see in different walks of life, mental toughness is a common attribute between these folks. And that manifests in a lot of different ways. And Mike just has a great perspective on this. So truly a topic relevant for anybody from the produce manager all the way up to the VP, anywhere in between. So without further ado, we'll take you over to this, one of my favorite conversations with Mike. Mike, it's so great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for taking the time to come back to us on the Produce Retail Podcast. Great to be with you, Ashley. I appreciate it, Mike. And uh, the topic we're going to discuss today is one that that you actually brought up a, a while ago and, and wrote a column about, which is leadership and mental toughness kind of coupled together. And I thought that so it's such a great discussion, I think, from a couple different angles, right? Because when I think of the, the director of produce or the VP of produce job or, or some of those different roles, when you see it, you know, listed in the news release or whatever, it's like overseeing all these different areas and operations and sales and all these different things. And what's generally missing and what's probably the biggest part of the actual job is the people and the communication and that part of it, right? That's right. And leadership is always one of my favorite topics. And what I have found and read and observed is that great leaders are also mentally tough. No matter what position you the leadership is, you're sure it's the director of produce, it's uh, supermarkets, and it's in the supply side, and, and uh, uh, owners, leaders of the industry, but it's also in life, is in your family, it's in nonprofits, it's in your churches. And what I found is that all the leaders, no matter where they're at, are mentally tough. So yeah, I put, put my thoughts on, on a, a presentation at one point for some of my sales team. I wrote an article about it. Um, and it's, it's my thoughts. And it's, it's not all original because, I, like I said, I've read a lot and I researched a lot. But, but I found it important to me. So, so that's why it's one of my favorite topics. And one of the favorite people, because I want to bring it back to produce, and I had this actually in my column. So, so if we're talking produce, it, it always it's always helpful to have somebody that you know or knew. And one of the favorite people in the produce world was Frida Kaplan. When you think about where Frida started, and she started on the produce market in LA, and she was the only woman in the produce market. So think about how difficult that was in a man's world. Uh, to be the only woman, she had to be mentally tough. And so one of the quotes that I remember from her is 
success came because I never saw obstacles. And that's a true mental tough person if you don't see obstacles. Because when you see obstacles, you immediately stop. Say, I can't do that because. Well, Frida never said, I can't do that because I'm a woman. I'm the only woman at the produce market. That's not the obstacle. The obstacle is there is no obstacle. I can accomplish whatever I want. And that's really the true American dream is accomplishing whatever you want, self-accountability. And that's where Frida came out. So I figured, really, she was a leader, but all leaders are mentally strong. Whether it's in sports, you know, we all love football and baseball and the great players are mentally strong. Or in the military, and, and uh, um, Colin Powell, who was a, a great leader, just passed away the other day. And if, if you read about him and if you're watching all the TV about his great life, is he was a mentally strong person. So that's how he accomplished a lot of what he accomplished because does mean you're always popular and people like what you say, but it's really how you inspire people and how you get things accomplished because that's the responsibility of a leader. Well, and I'm so glad the the example that you gave of, of Frida and really looking at the same situation with a different mindset, right? Is just changing how you're going to think about what's in front of you. I was, I was reading actually from this book about, about networking and it was talking about, you know, for folks who um, maybe get, get nervous or a little antsy going into like the networking receptions, right? Like where the whole point is to go and just chat with people you don't know for a couple hours. And um, for a lot of folks that's nerve wracking and the advice they gave in this book was, you know, change how you're thinking going into that, you know, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to this thing and I'm, I'm not going to know very many people and I'm going to have to figure out what to say and, you know, all these different doubts or anxieties. Instead, change how you're looking at and think, man, I wonder who I'm going to meet tonight. I could hear all kinds of different stories. I, I wonder if I can find someone who can, who I can pick their brain about this or pick their brain about that. Or, you know, maybe I can share with them about this book I'm reading. Or, you know, when you, when you change how you're looking at what's in front of you, no matter what it is that's in front of you, it makes a huge difference in, in how you show up and ultimately the, the results that you can get. Sure. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk about our great leaders. Are they introverts or are they extroverts? And people say, oh, they're always extroverts. That's not true. There's a lot of great leaders that I have found over, over my lifetime that I've worked with that were introverts. Um, I happen to not be an introvert, but there are many others that are introverts. And they have a hard, you know, that's hard for them to walk into a lot of other people, but they overcome that because, honestly, they decide they're going to overcome that. It's really it is. It's, it's the decision that they make. Yeah. Well, and to that point, too, the fact that, that leadership, that mental toughness, all those things are, are developed. You know, it's it, you, you hear sometimes the, oh, great leaders are born and, you know, some of that sure but there's a lot of people who it's their skills that you learn along the way um at the the pma uh women's fresh perspectives conference recently um danelle mackie over at dma solutions was was had i thought a, a great comment she said usually when you see somebody whether they're they're speaking or you know you see them in a, a leadership moment in a smaller setting she said, generally, if you pick out like a trait that you really admire about that person, a lot of times it's learned. It's something that they have worked on. And that's why they're so good at that. You know, they've made a point to hone that skill. And I thought, man, that's 
that's such a great point. And it makes it a little less intimidating, right? To, to think, oh, I could be that way. It's just, you know, set the path and start working to get there, right? We all have a little voice inside of our heads that tell us that we're not as good as people think we are. I'm a pretender. I hope one of these days they're going to find me out. Everybody has that. It's how you overcome that. And one of the first things that I, that I mentioned in, in my article was EQ versus IQ. And it's how, are you controlled by your emotions? Are you controlled by the fact that I'm an introvert and I'm, I don't really like a lot of people? Or are you controlled by, um, or do you let yourself control your emotions? It's EQ versus IQ. IQ is obviously very intelligent people in your intelligence quotient. And that's great. You know, that really smart people are good. They're not all great leaders. Uh, if you go to an accounting department and you want to pick somebody that's going to be the leader of the accounting department, you pick the best accountant or the best leader. They may not be the best accountant. They may not be, hopefully your accountants are all good at math, but they may not be the, the, the highest intelligent, but they usually have the highest EQ, which means they can control their emotions, they have empathy, uh, they regulate themselves. Uh, so emotional uh, quotient is very important to a mentally tough leader. Mm -hmm. But they're also confident. They're also confident. And now confident doesn't mean arrogance, but they are confident in the words that they use and how they walk into a room. Have you ever noticed, maybe you don't even know this person, but they're a, a leader and they walk into a room and everybody just their eyes go to this person because it's how they carry themselves and how they walk. And then when they speak, they speak with confidence. And it doesn't mean, again, that they're arrogant and they don't they think less of other people. It's actually just the opposite. They are just confident in themselves. And when you speak with confidence and when you walk with confidence and you show up with confidence, People like to work for, and I don't want to say follow, because follow, I don't like that word, be led by uh, somebody that is confident, because it exudes from that person into everything that they're doing, that you're doing with whatever uh, you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's so funny that you say a lot of times you can tell, even when somebody walks into the room and, and you don't know who that person is, we were, I'll never forget, we were at my husband's company Christmas party a few years ago. And he had told me about, you know, one of the, the partners in their firm. And when that, when a person were, walked in and I saw him, you know, like you said, just kind of that easy confidence, walking around, shaking hands with everybody. I had never, I had never seen him in my life. I didn't hear him introduced. I was like, that's the guy. That's who, that's who my husband's been telling me about. That's him. I just, I, I know, you know? And so, like you said, a lot of that is, and again, learned right you learn how to be at ease and put other at ease other people at ease by the way that you walk into a room by the way that you show up and, and i would bet that that leader is still a work in progress because none of us have it figured out we're always constantly working on ourselves to be better so uh, i'll bet that leader my colin powell is a work in progress and would tell you if he was still still with us that i'm still working on myself i'm that perfect individual but i'm constantly working on myself to be better yeah and i was curious too because obviously um you know leading people how how you talk with your team what you talk with your team about how do you balance like you said um projecting confidence um being honest and transparent and 
sometimes, you know, sometimes the situation about which you're communicating is not always the best. So how to be transparent and honest, but also still confident and optimistic and, and leading the team, you know, in a way that's going to make everything function well, if that makes sense. Well, you use a term called straight talk. You're always talking honestly and through transparency. And when you're talking about something, you're talking about what you're trying to accomplish as a team. And it's not about personalities. It's not, not about you. It's about us as a team and, and moving things forward. And the words that you use are so important. Using powerful words. Again, that's part of the confidence, but it's, it's, it's about how you talk to people. It's just use powerful words. Uh, I always hear, I mean, it drives me crazy. People are talking and say, they apologize for what they say before they say it. I may be wrong here or, well, don't use it. Just give us your assertion. Give us what you think we should be doing. Um, or can you, what, what do you think? Can you get this done? Well, I'll try. Try doesn't exude confidence. It's, I will have this. I will use, use really strong, powerful words. Um, I can, I will, I choose. Uh, that's that's a, a powerful person that uses uh, a strong words. And somebody said to me one time, is when you use, I'll try, it's like, well, try and try and stand up or stand up. Because one of the others says, you can't try and stand up. You stand up. So I will, I will, or we will. As a team, we will accomplish this. This is what we're, what we're after. We will accomplish this. Well, and to your point, too, you can use that kind of language even if what's in front of you is hard. Because sometimes there are steps, right? So, like, even if you don't have the answer, I, I'll, I'll find the answer. I'll look into that and I'll get back to, you know, even things like that where you're you're moving forward, you know, whether it's whether it's hard or whether it's uncertain or no matter what the situation is, right? Well, yeah, and, and you can find the answer, and you certainly don't want to make things up because then you lose people lose confidence. You have mm-hmm. confidence in yourself. But also, why do you have to have the answer? We can have the answer. We can get find the answer together. It's not all about me. Great leaders. It's not all about them. Sure, they may have more responsibility, but a great leader. Actually, the leader doesn't have to be the person with the responsibility. You can be the leader because you can lead your boss. Mm-hmm. Or you can lead each other. Uh, so leadership is is a big issue, and it's not just about your, your position necessarily. It's about how you are and how you show up. But you don't always have to be the person with the answer because the answer comes from many different people. And, and the more people you have that are engaged working at something, the, the better the answer that you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's probably an aspect of the mental toughness part of it too, right? Is being okay with with not just always being the one with the answers, being okay with the group coming to a decision. And maybe it's not even what you originally suggested, but everybody talked and this is the best idea, you know, having kind of a, a humility and a, and a comfort level with the team success over just you too, right? I was just going to say that great leaders are humble. They don't have to have the answer. They don't have to be the person. They are humble. Uh, so humbleness is a part of being a great leader. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. But one of the things we need to be careful of, too, is because we're all building teams. Let's face it, sometimes we get air teams or our teams are made of all the perfect people. Or you're, wherever you're dealing with is what you have to figure out how to do. And this is a, always easy. is neutralizing toxic people, neutralizing negative people. 
that are stuck in the past, that are always bringing up, okay, I can't let this go, this happened before I started working for you, or this happened, whatever, whatever, they can't get off of that because what we're, what we're trying to accomplish is something in the future. The past, we learn from the past. Colin Powell said one time I saw him speak at the Fred Summit, is always looking through the windshield, not the rear view mirror. You have to learn from the past, but you have to talk, work on the future. You have to bring your team along with you. And you have people on your team that can't move forward, or you have teams that might bully other members of the team. These are negative people that you have to either move off of the team or you have to neutralize them. You can't let them dominate your team or if they're not trustworthy. Um, really, that's, that's something that's really uh, detrimental to, to your team. Um, or they create drama or the people that play victims. How many times do we see that? This is, leaders can't be victims, right? Uh, but the people that are in team that are playing victim, oh, woe is me. Uh, but none of that matters because that's all a, a personal thing. It is we're working on is building for the future, and victims do not help that. So um, you you can't be a victim yourself, and and um, people that are toxic to your team, you have to neutralize them or tough decisions, right? Move them off your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I imagine that comes back to the the straight talk that you mentioned earlier, right? Is getting, as soon as you identify a problem, not assuming, oh, maybe it'll get better on its own, but going and talking to that person as soon as possible, you know, listening to them, but then also laying the cards on the table. Like we're, we're focused on what's ahead and I need you on board because, you know, your attitude or, or whatever, you know, the situation is, that doesn't just affect you. You're part of the team. You're, you know, how, as you go, the team goes too. So I need you on board. Yes. And as soon as you can, as you mentioned, don't let things fester because they'll grow and they get worse. And the rest of the team sees it and it reflects on you. And Barney Fife on the old Andy Griffith show used to say all the time, dip it in the bud. That's what you have to do as a leader. When you see these things or observe it or if there's an issue with a teammate, nip it in the bud as soon as you can because they'll fester and they'll grow. And procrastination is a really dangerous thing mm-hmm. if, if you're a leader. It's really dangerous. It'll, it'll fester and it'll, it'll, it'll hurt you in the long run. Well, and another thing that, that I remember you mentioned in your column on, on leadership and mental toughness was embracing change because your point, one of those things that can become toxic is, and, and, and this isn't something that, you know, means somebody's a bad person, but, you know, when you remember how it used to be and how, how things were back when, and we had more resources and we had more this and we had more that that can be really, it's, it's hard to let go of that sometimes, but it also can have a huge impact moving forward. If you can't, you know, decide and you do, you have to decide to, to just let it go. Let like the frozen theme song, right? You have grandkids, Mike, the frozen theme song, let it go, let it go. go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, They all (laughs) sing that song for sure. Yeah. Change is something that, that, you know, you always say embrace change. It's not an easy thing to do because it's easy to do if the other guy has to change. But it's not easy to do if I'm the one that has to change. And you really all have to break years, do embrace change. And your team embraces change. And, and I, I love the cartoon. I, I put it in the presentation the other day about a group of uh, uh, executives sitting around the desk where their sales and profits are going down. And, and one of the comments was, is, well, 
let's, I know we need to change, but let's not change. Let's sit around and wait for something magical to happen. That's not going to happen. And, and right, you have a lot of people, it's like, well, we used to do it this way, or we used to do it that way. This, we're talking about the future, not the rearview mirror. How could we accomplish this in the future with the current circumstances, mm -hmm. which are constantly changing? And all we ever want to do is to like, wherever we're at, with, we're, we're in a pandemic right now, so we can't talk about what happened 20 years ago because we've never experienced something like this before. So what we have to, how we have to face this is, okay, in the midst of a pandemic and looking in the future, how are we going to come out of this on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I know when I've seen, you know, big changes navigated successfully, it's, it always starts with, with, you know, getting feedback from everybody, certainly. And then, like you said, when, when folks, you know, individually have concerns or, you know, maybe aren't on board, tackling those as much as possible. And sometimes it's, okay, you know, what's, what's the thing you're scared of here, right? Because sometimes it's, it's not as much, you know, an issue with change in general, but okay, what does that mean for me specifically? If my job changes this way, or this is something I have to do now, how do I do that? I haven't done that before. I don't know how to do that. So it's like a, you know, a, a clinging to the old stuff because I know how to do that. I don't necessarily know how to do this perfectly. And that can be scary, especially when you've been doing it a certain way for a long time, right? So helping people through that is a big part of that leadership goal. It, it really sure. is. Because people get comfortable and they're in a comfort zone and they like that. Uh, but the more comfortable they are many times, the more complacent they are. Uh, so it's difficult to help them face their fears, to get out of their comfort zone and looking towards the future so that they can excel. And you always want people to be part of, again, you probably want them to be part of the solution for the problem because then they have more of an investment rather than someone telling us, this is how we're going to do it. You know, not all, not all people want to be involved. They like being comfortable. And again, they may be somebody that you may even move off your team. Because if you're sitting back waiting, it's like, well, um, I need this person to tell me exactly how to do it. It's, it's not a team, then. It's, it's one individual that's probably complacent. That's a difficult thing to work through. But getting people to work through their fears is, is difficult, too, because let's face it, um, fear is something that can paralyze us, and fear is something that great leaders overcome. But getting others to face their fear is a difficult thing. And fear is it's an emotion, right? And, and I'm not saying that not having fear is is, is something that's, that's, that's smart. Because let's face it, if I'm going to run into a burning building, um, does it mean that I, if I'm a fireman and I'm running into a burning building to save somebody, does that fireman have fear? Absolutely they do. But they face their fear. Mm -hmm. And they overcome their fear. And one of the, the quotes that I remember was many years ago when I was very young, I dabbled in, in uh, Taekwondo, and one of the, my favorite people was Bruce Lee. And he became a, a very, actually a, a philosopher. One of the things that he talked about is courage is not the absence of fear, it is the ability to act in the presence of fear. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you do things, I have no fear, you do things that are stupid that are going to kill me. Depending on what your role is in your job as a fire person, you have to figure out how to train to do this too. So it's not like I'm just doing it. They overcome their fear. Whether you're in the military, you overcome your fear. Does, does, does anybody in the military not face that fear when they're doing what they're, they're, they're training?
thing to do, they face their fear. Well, think about the fear that we have in businesses compared to a fireman or a police officer or something in the military. Our fears are a little bit different. It's a, it's a confidence thing, and we have to figure out how to get those fears out of our life and, and face the possibilities of something greater after you face your fear. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and controlling your emotions, which is, again, I'm not saying these things are easy, but great leaders can do that. Yeah. Well, in, in another as- aspect, aspect of that right is dealing with failure because to your point you know hopefully when we fail nobody dies or you know nothing terrible you know general genuinely life-altering happens but we could have big consequences from a sales standpoint or you know personnel things or you know whatever different scenarios may arise um, that, that's something else you talked about was, was figuring out failure, you know, and, and dealing with that well, both for yourself or if it's, you know, a, a team member who has something's gone wrong or somebody's fallen short in some capacity. Yeah, we all love sports analogies, right? <laughs> I mean, everything comes back to the sports. And it depends <laughs> on who you are and fear of failure. If you want your heart doctor to have a fear of failure when he's going into um, surgery to do a, a quadruple bypass, you probably don't. But probably you talk about some of the great actors. We talk about some of the great, like Johnny Carson, um, who was on uh, the Tonight Show for years and years and years. He had a fear before he went on the Tonight Show every night that he faced his fear. Now, that's not the same as a heart doctor, obviously, but you know, I always like to quote about going back to sports is Kobe Bryant, who was a great basketball player. He passed away a couple years ago. He was the NBA's leading scorer. But he also took more shots than anybody else. He took actually uh, 14,481 shots, but he also knew that um, every shot he didn't make, um, he missed, right? I mean, he, he would miss 100% of the shots he didn't take was his, was his quote. So take the shot. We're, again, we're, we're, not, aren't, we're not hurt surgeons or we're not fire people or we're in the military. Uh, we're making not making life decisions, but we're making very important decisions, and we have to uh, embrace our fear, acknowledge it, but then get over it and, and create something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and to your point, it's like the the only way to guarantee that you won't fail at something is to never start it to begin with. And and how are you ever going to grow anything if you take that approach? You just can't. You have to get comfortable with the idea that this may work, this this may not work, right? So it's you just have to do your research, talk to people that you trust, you know, use use folks on your team and other folks as sounding boards, and and but you got to be willing to to go for it because being stagnant, you know, you you, you hear the quote often that you're either going forward or or backward, you're not standing still, right? So so which means you're probably going to make some mistakes. You're not always going to be right. What what happens is, is oh, I'm afraid to make mistakes. I'm not going to do anything. So Kobe Bryant wasn't afraid of this, so he, he actually became a uh, leading scorer. Um, so you can't be afraid of making mistakes. And once you do make a mistake, don't dwell on it. Get off it and move forward. Learn from it, but move forward. Don't dwell on your mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. The, the, the worst decision I ever made was not making a decision. Which is a decision. So by not making a decision, I'm, I didn't make any mistakes, right? But look what, what happens. Look how you feel about yourself when you don't do something. So you make a mistake. 
Again, the EQ is don't dwell on it. It's an emotional thing. I acknowledge it. You made a mistake, or we made a mistake, or you made a mistake on my team. Let's get off it and move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think Colin Powell, one of the things that he talked about where he was upset with somebody because something happened and they talked about it. And, and the person apologizes when he was leaving the office. He started to apologize again. And, and Colin said, we're already over that. Let's not talk about that. I'm off of that. Get off of it. So I was curious as I was, as we've been talking here, are there, are there specific moments that, that you remember, whether it, you know, was something you did or something that you saw other folks in leadership positions do, you know, over the course of your career that made an impression? And, and even in the moment you realize, wow, how they're handling that is, is really skillful. Like that kind of stayed with you. Yeah, I, I, I have one and it's actually, don't wait to, for an apology, forgive. But also, it's, it's when you're focusing on something, you're trying to move the ball forward, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. Because all you're working on is moving things in the future. So one of the bosses that I had, we got into a, a thing where it's like, well, it wasn't my fault, it was her fault. No, it wasn't my fault, it was her fault. And he said, it doesn't matter. Apologize. It wasn't your fault, but apologize and get things, get that off the table so we can move this ball forward to people and really focusing on selling more produce or whatever we were working on at the time. So I learned it's like, you know what? Was it my fault? But who really cares? This is a again, we're not doing heart surgery, but it's a apologize and move it forward. And don't don't like apologize the, the the half apology is like if you thought it was my fault. I apologize. It's not an apology. Just apologize and move it forward. Yeah. Well, and that that makes me think too of I just recently read, which this book has been out for a long time. So you probably read it a while ago, but the book Crucial Conversations. And one of the one of the tactics that that it talks about is you know when when you're kind of you know go, going through the weeds with somebody on on a situation is refocusing that discussion on you know, what do we really want? Like, what do I want for this situation? What do I want for the relationship with this other person that I'm working with? You know, what's the outcome that we really want? And when you want that same outcome, you know, focus on that. And how do I help us get, get here? You know, how do I communicate where, where that's what we're focusing on in the conversation and, you know, move forward like that rather than focusing on this, this little tiny, you know, obstacle that's, it's really not even a thing if we just move past it, right? Like, yeah, that's true. It's just, what is it we're really after here? It's, it's really not about this little minute thing that I want you to apologize for. It's what are we really after? It's what is our goal as a team? What are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. That's what we're, what's important. Mm -hmm. And again, this is just work. It's whatever work we're dealing with in life, what's, what's really important in your family, what's really yeah. important. Because there's so many families that, that I mean, the family members don't speak to each other because of something that happened many years ago and they're waiting for the other person to apologize. So what does it really want with your relationship with your brother, your family member? Is it about the apology? Because if it is, that's so small. Yeah. What you want is a really powerful relationship with your family moving mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when, why? You oh, talk about books, and I'll have to read that book. I 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 have to read that book.
happens in a while now. But you wrote a book called uh, Setting the Table. It's all about customer service. And coming from the retail world, it's just we were all in customer service and we all read the book. Uh, but one of the things that he talked about is his book is how you interpret things from other and he has something in his book called the charitable assumption. And it, the charitable assumption is, is, okay, you're driving down the road, you're heading to work or wherever you're heading is, there's somebody tailgating you, and you're thinking about, you jerk, quit tailgating, you start tapping the brakes. But the charitable assumption is, is I better move over because there is something going on in that person's life. Maybe they need to get to the hospital, maybe uh, uh, something's going on in that this person's life, I don't need to get out of the way. Again, you're letting something go that really isn't important. The other story is, 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 is the per person in the uh, uh, checkout line, the express line in a supermarket, and they see a, a father with a couple little kids, and the kids are acting up, and you're immediately thinking about, what a lousy father, those kids are rats. And then the father turns around and apologizes. I'm really sorry my, my kids are, are acting like this. So they, they've been like this ever since my wife um, was diagnosed with, with cancer and she's in the hospital. So it's kind of like, man, again, a charitable assumption about others. But take that to the workplace or take that to your family or where you are is, is, is a charitable assumption about each other. And what else is going on in their life? is that important. There's no one interpret what somebody's saying is this is what they meant by this. They were attacking me. It's like, no, get, just get off of that. It's really what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because that's another thing in um, in that book, Crucial Conversations, was they talked about, you know, kind of how our brains work naturally is, you know, we, we hear something from somebody or we see something that somebody does and our brains just immediately try to make sense of it, right? They try to create a story around why that happened or, you know, what's what's the secondary meaning behind what the actual words that were said or, you know, there's, there's this little instant process that takes place where we're trying to create and assign meaning to things without actually talking to the other person to clarify exactly, you know, exactly what, what they need from us, or if we have a question and we're answering it for ourselves instead of actually having the conversation, yeah. right? It's yeah, like, your brain's okay. working, your brain's working 100 miles a minute, focus on something. Yeah. It didn't really yeah. even happen, because you're interpreting what that other person said or thought. Exactly, and so, what? yeah, one of the things that said, just like you, is to kind of, you know, recognize that's happening, and just sort of unwind that story in your mind, to, and go back to, okay, you know, this is what I've actually observed, right? Like if I have a question with this, go to the person and don't give them the little story that your mind spun up immediately, but give them, hey, this, this is what I observed. Um, you know, it, it, maybe this is what I think, or I'm wondering if, if this could be happening. Um, am I correct? You know, is there something I'm missing? And, you know, just unspooling that little automatic story and taking that out of the equation <laughs> makes yeah. everything a whole lot easier. And like you said, it's, it's that, that same idea, right. Of assuming, assuming the best rather than thinking what's the worst possible, you know, scenario that could, could, you know, that I need to be aware of. Cause some of it is like that built in like survival instinct kind of thing. Right. That's kind of working is like, what dangers do I possibly need to be aware of? You know? <laughs> Or we all want to be liked, right? Do you not like me anymore? It's not about being liked, it's being respected. Again, it's about what we're trying to accomplish. 
as a team? What is it we really, really want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make up stories in our mind, right? We do. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because I never, I never thought about the fact that that happened until I, I read that book. And then another one of the speakers that we saw at the, uh, the women's conference recently was the same thing. She, she, her presentation was all about the power of storytelling in business. But she said, you know, most important stories are the stories you tell yourself because you are, you're always trying to make sense of meaning, whether it's stuff in your own life or conversations or, you know, in, in taking control of that internal dialogue and kind of back to the beginning of what we talked about, you know, looking at the mindset, looking at the scenario and really, you know, choosing how you're going to see it. And is it a, is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity that you can figure out a way to make the most of? Yeah, I think choosing is a great word because a couple things about that is, is when we talk about books, it's one of the most impactful books I read years ago. Somebody gave it to me when I first got into the management. This is The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And this is, are you are you a leader that, or a person? This is a, the glass half full or glass half, empty, half empty. And great leaders are positive and they're, they're always positive. Um, so that was a great book. The Power of Positive Thinking is the glass half full is the glass half empty. How you see life is important as a, as a tough leader. But then also choosing your attitude, choosing who you are. And, and yeah, we talk to ourselves all the time because you make the choice. I make the choice after you're talking about somebody who may have said something and they like me or whatever. So you have a conversation with yourself and you get that out of your mind because it's really not that important. So you make a conscious decision. You choose to be positive or you choose to be negative. You can choose one or the other. So you can make that choice or you can choose to be somebody that creates something or you can choose to be something that's constantly complaining. You can make that choice. Or you can choose to take responsibility, accountability in yourself and your team. Or you can choose to avoid accountability and responsibility. So you make the choice. It's always your choice. Mm-hmm. Conscious decisions that you make about things in your life are important. And we used to have something in, in training years, years ago about, um, it was about customer service at Michigan, but we had something that resonated. Behavior breeds behavior. How you behave is important. How another person behaves is important. Obviously, it impacts you. But are you going to let somebody else's behavior form your behavior? Or are you going to make a choice in your behavior yeah. Well, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, because what that triggered in my mind, and I, you know, we're we're both sports fans. I've read many sports books over the years. And Bobby Knight wrote one. I think it was called The Power of Negative Thinking. And his <laughs> and you know, kind of the gist of it was. Um, you know, kind of thinking through things that could go wrong in, in the point being to prepare, right, for, for the possible, you know, um, to, to have those contingency plans ready and things like that, which like, I understand, you know, I, I get the value of that, that's important planning and preparing, but, um, but in general, positive thinking, you know. Yeah, and, and I think his point was, I mean, believe me, uh, I saw that speak a couple of times, he was a great speaker, but, but a lot of the things that he did, uh, we're not correct. I mean, he, 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 he won a lot of basketball games, but didn't necessarily treat his, his players well. But I, I think his point was his preparation is important. So, so you, 
do want to look for things that, as your team, you're working on something, is what can go wrong. So put something in place before it happens. That, that's a little different than preparation for that. Great sports people are always doing that. Um, Peyton Manning, when he spoke at, at the Fresh Summit a couple years, talked about that too. It's the start of some preparation, preparation, preparation for every game. All great football teams that win are always trying to prepare for what, what happens if the play doesn't go as planned. Have to have a, a, a second plan, so 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 that makes some sense. Yeah, yeah, but well, and that's that's the key, right? Is like having being being aware of of things that might arise, but not letting that stop you from right. from going ahead, because that's because that's the thing, yeah. and they go they go hand in hand, right? Because just like right. we're, you know, you mentioned Peyton Manning, and I think about guys like him and and Tom Brady and and guys who've who've been around for a lot of years, and the good thing about that is like. You just get this, and, and same with with your average everyday person going through their career, right? Is you start to to build that mental catalog of, well, hey, I've come up against this before, you know, this is how I've gotten around that, or I've I've yeah. seen this defense, I've seen that defense, you know, here's what works, here here's my second and third options in this scenario or that scenario, um, and it just it becomes easier to anticipate those things, but. Um, but even uh, e- even when you can anticipate the problems, it's like you gotta go ahead. You know, you you just you have to like like you said, you have to keep moving and in moving. Inevitably, there will be mistakes. There will be things that don't pan out exactly like you want. But uh, but my gosh, what's the alternative, right? Nothing I want to do. Like I don't want to be sitting still doing the same thing forever. Like I want to be making progress. <laughs> right. You know something else I was thinking about as far as mental toughness and being a great leader. And this is perfect because we're all in the produce industry is, is watch your health. The better you feel, um, the better you eat, your, your weight, your, your uh, fitness, um, not too much alcohol, those type of things. Great sleep actually makes you a better leader and the ability to control your emotions and be mentally tough. So take care of yourselves with the great leaders Think about Tom Brady. Is, is how old is he now? Like 44 like, or something like that? Yeah, 44, 44. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So if he wasn't, well, he's obviously mentally tough, but if he wasn't physically fit, if, if he didn't take great care of his body, he wouldn't be able to do it that, like from, an, from an athletic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But the same goes for your brain. Uh, if you're a great leader, if you don't have great sleep, you were talking about emotional. Um, and empathy and, and not losing your temper. I don't know how many times have you seen, well, I know I have a bad temper, that's just who I am. I don't care who you are. If you have a bad temper and you take it out, you're not a great leader. But if you are not feeling well, if you don't really take good care of yourself, um, you're not at your best when you're, when you're leading. You're just not at your best. So take care of yourself and eat a lot of produce because produce <laughs> is... I'm not. I'm not saying don't. Eat, I'm not saying be a vegetarian. I'm not saying saying that is. But eat a lot of produce. Produce is the best. Don't eat a lot of processed. Eat a lot of produce because your physical well-being actually will make you a better leader, a better person, and a better teammate. That's a fantastic point, and kind of a corollary to that, um, which. The, the story, it, it sparks in, in my brain is actually kind of a kind of a sad one. But, you know, the, the corollary to what you said being like, encourage that in your people too. you know, be like, hey, like, 
I, I know that for you to be the best member of our team, I need you sleeping enough and I need you eating well. I need you taking time to exercise. So, you know, obviously you got to do what your job is, but like, you know, I, I don't want you, you know, feeling like you got to be here 13 hours a day and, and like, you never have time to take care of yourself, you know, like as a leader, that's, that's part of it too, is, is giving them that message. That like I support you taking care of yourself. So, you know, if your schedule is such that you can't sleep, you know, six or seven hours a night, you can't take time to exercise, you can't eat well, like we need to talk and figure out, you know, how we can make that happen because you can't be your, you can't be your best self as an employee, as a family member, like all those kind of things ultimately have to come together. You know, you, you would hope we, we just care about the individual, but also practically speaking from a business standpoint too, you know, you, you want those folks to, to, you know, feel supported in, in that endeavor for themselves personally. The, the story that it made me think of was, my dad had a boss, um, at one point in his career, um, you know, famous for being the, the hard driver, right. The, uh, the, the yeller, you know, swearing that there was a lot of the hard, you know, um, kind of iron fist management going on. And, and, and he was a fitness buff, right? Like he, he worked out all the time. He took care of himself, you know, all that kind of stuff. And one of the guys on their team, um, very much did, did not. And, and I don't know if it was something where, um, you know, he felt like he didn't have time or, or whatever the case was. Um, but you know, was, was not in good physical condition, ended up dying pretty young of a heart attack. And my dad's boss really felt, um, really felt convicted, just felt like I should have been on him to take better care of himself. Like I should have told him, like, Hey, you're, you're not, you're not headed in a, in a good road. I need you to take, take care of yourself for you, you know, for being a member of our team. Like I should have emphasized that with him. And I thought, and that's, you know, that's kind of an extreme example, but to your point, like it is something so important for everybody individually. And then something from a leadership aspect too, to be like, Hey, this, this is one of the ways I tell you, I care about you as a person, right? Like if you want to exercise yeah. over the lunch hour, go exercise over the lunch hour or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And, and you said it right there. This is the reason you're doing it. Sure. You have uh, benefits from a business standpoint, but the reason you're doing it is because you care about that person. You care about it. So I always had somebody that told me one time before, it says, think with your brain, but speak with your heart. So I care about the use of an individual. And for, for your, your your dad's boss, he should have. He was stuck in the should have, and maybe he should have, but you can't go back and change anything. But mm-hmm. to learn from that is just if you really care about your people, work at 13 hours a day. During the pandemic, it's a totally different thing. But yeah. from a from a day and a standpoint, if you're the boss of your people working 13 hours a day, seven days a week, something's wrong. You're not productive. If something needs to change, and you, you know you're not taking care of of, of your team the way, the way the way you should. So it's got to change. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a great point too. Is like from a leadership perspective, being being proactive about talking about you know your expectations for people because sometimes people put a lot more expectation on themselves then, you know, maybe even comes from the boss. So even talking to people proactively is like, listen, you know, if, if you have a week where it's slower than another week, like 
all I care about is the job getting done, right? Like, I know you're in here getting things accomplished. Like, I'm not worried about X number of hours or, you know, like, put talking about that kind of stuff or like, hey, I know I, I know you mentioned you've got that workout class you go to three days a week. If you need to leave right at five to go to that, that's awesome. I know you're taking care of your stuff, you know, just letting people know about like, it's okay to have healthy boundaries. Cause I think for a lot of people, you have like the, the workaholic badge of honor kind of thing going on. Right. And it's just, you know, we, we want a sustainable situation. We want people to stay with our companies for a long time. Like we want them to be healthy and well-rounded because that makes a better person, which in turn makes a better business person, you know, like it, it just kind of makes sense, but I think it's overlooked sometimes. That workaholic, uh, uh is so old school thinking and it used to be that way but it doesn't make any sense what, what does make sense is that you talked about the fitness center but also your family uh, your best teammates have a great family relationship and, and it's okay to leave at this four o'clock to go to your your uh, son's little league baseball game your your daughter's little league baseball game whatever because Actually, Todd Stutz told us this one time, and I worked for a great company for Stutz for years. I was very family-oriented. So they told him one time, this is when your kids are older, they're not going to remember the game that you missed because you were at a meeting, but they will remember the game you were at. They'll remember that you attended their, their little league baseball or whatever mm-hmm. function. So a well-balanced individual teammate that has a healthy family life or a healthy uh, uh, nutritional or, or uh, athletic or, or physical life is important too. And the, the point you're making, again, I get back to the earlier, is do you really, do you care about your teammates? And if, if, if your teammates know that you care about them, it's all about a great team that we're all focusing on what's important, not about how many hours I put in or what we're accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and to, to your point, too, about like, you, you can't change what, you know, what has already happened, like um, the, the boss that my dad had at, at, at one stop, um, you know, he, he felt, felt terrible that he hadn't been emphasizing that stuff to, you know, not just that guy, but the whole team before. After that, I'm trying to remember, um, he, he told people, he's like, listen, you know, during the day when you're at, you're at our facility, please take an hour of your time, you know, at, at the office, go to our gym. We've got a gym right there. Go like, it's okay for you to spend that time. I'm encouraging you to spend that time, you know, take advantage of, of that resource there. I, I want you to be healthy. Like I, you know, and, um, and, and so, and, and again, like you said, that has not always been like something that bosses talked about with their teams, you know, but, um, but, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's okay to have not done that before. And you realize, you know, I do care about these people. I should be talking to them about this and letting them know, like, boundaries are good. You know, like taking time for you is good and, and important, not just, not just a nice to have, but a must have really. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's right. We're all, we're all in it together. We're a team and we care about each other. Mm-hmm. We care about what, what we're accomplishing, but we care about each other. And the nice part is they, they go hand in hand. Like you don't invest in one and not have it count toward the other, you know? So, um, yeah. So for any hardliners, it has a good business impact as well. Remember, you've you've heard this one before too. The firings will continue until the morale improves. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, Mike, anything we, we haven't covered that you wanted to make sure to touch on or anything you think we're missing? I don't think so. I think it really comes down to uh, self-accountability and something here about mental toughness is about who you are and how you show up and how you, how you treat people and the ability to manage stress, I mean, to manage your emotions. And a lot of that comes to We manage our stress by being healthy, too, let's face it. Uh, but we manage our, our, our stress and don't pass it on to others. Is, is uh, our teammates know that we have their backs. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for, for taking the time today. I think this is a, a great discussion. I would love to make a list of all the different books and speakers and events that we referenced during this conversation because I think it'd be a long one. <laughs> There's, but again, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And a lot of this is, is learned, right? It's, yeah. it's reading, it's, it's watching people who you see as good examples in these things. And, and you, you kind of build up, you, you build up that resource of, of what it looks like. And you practice those things. That's, that's how you get better at it. Just like with anything else. Be a lifetime learner. Awesome. Well, Mike, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you again. And we'll see you again soon. Okay, Ashley. So that was our conversation with Mike O'Brien. Again, one of my favorite discussions over this first year plus of the Produce Retail Podcast. I thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.